Well, over the past few weeks, we have been talking about uh, the ascension of the Messiah. We've been talking about Yeshua sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we've made much of that. We've talked about the fact of his ascension. We've talked about the humanity of his ascension, that he did not lose his humanity, but uh, that his glorified humanity is right now at the right hand of the Father. Uh, and we talked about the concept of heaven and earth, uh, and that there is a visible and invisible world, and that Yeshua is the king of the entire visible and invisible uh, world. He's not just king in our hearts. Uh, he is the king of this world, whether people recognize it uh, or not. We talked about his glorified humanity and how via the dynamic, organic relationship that we have with him via the Ruach HaKodesh, via the Holy Spirit, uh, Yeshua, in his humanity, uh, we relate to his humanity and that he's accepted us in our humanity. And we talked last week uh, about how he accepts our humanity the way we are uh, and that he is slowly mentoring us, discipling us to live out that full humanity and the parts of us uh, that, he is, uh, that he desires change from has to do with the negative aspects of our life, the sinful, alienating parts of our life that take away from our full uh, uh, humanity. And, and uh, we talked about humility last time and, and how uh, living uh, a, a life of humility really is elevating uh, our uh, humanity to a very important place. And, and we talked about what that uh, means. Uh, today we want to talk about another aspect of Yeshua sitting at the right hand of the Father, and that is uh, our relationship with him and the fact that he never leaves us or forsakes us and that he's with us all the time. And what that means, not just the fact of it, but what that means uh, uh, to us. And you know, I was reading uh, something uh, this week by N.T. Wright uh, in a book uh, that uh, you may have, uh, Surprised by Hope. Actually, it's a book that I gave away a few years ago uh, uh, during this period of time of, uh, of our reading challenge from Passover to Shavuot. Uh, uh, we were reading the whole Brit Chadashah, the whole New Covenant Scriptures, and I gave that book away, surprised by hope. And in there, uh, he talks about the ascension of the Messiah and, and what that means, and that we often have a faulty view of heaven as a faraway place and uh, that Yeshua has gone to live in a faraway place, and that our desire is to, is to leave this place and leave our bodies and to go to this faraway place. Uh, but this is what he says about heaven. Basically, heaven and earth in biblical cosmology are not two different locations within the same continuum of space and matter. They are two different dimensions of God's good creation. And the point about heaven is twofold. First, heaven relates to each, to earth. Heaven relates to earth tangentially so that the one who is in heaven can be present simultaneously anywhere and everywhere on earth. The ascension, therefore, meant that Jesus, as he writes here, uh, is available, accessible, without people having to travel to a particular spot on the heavens to find uh, him. Then he goes on to say, 
Second, heaven is, as it were, the control room for earth. It is the CEO's office, the place from which instructions are given. All authority is given to me, said Yeshua at the end of Matthew's gospel, in heaven and on earth. Heaven and on earth. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, the invisible and visible worlds. And as I I have explained in previous weeks, that is our basic place of operating from, our basic home, our citizenship. Uh, Yet we still live here. And last week, remember, we read from the very end of John chapter 1, how Yeshua is like the ladder uh, uh, where the angels go up and down. Uh, The Son of Man is the ladder. He is the bridge. Uh, And so when we embrace him uh, and we receive the Ruach, via the Ruach HaKodesh, we are identified, connected to him sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so we are forever uh, in his presence. And that is just a very important concept for us to get, that we are forever uh, in his presence. And it goes both ways. He is forever in our presence uh, as well, because in him, heaven and earth, in a way, come together. Uh, And uh, uh, it is the beginning of the future, and we are in the presence of the future in our connectedness to Yeshua uh, at the right hand uh, of the Father. You know, it says uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, it speaks about the ascension, the the ascending and descending of uh, the uh, Son of Man. And in one particular place in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 10, uh, we read, He who descended is himself also who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. That says two things to us. One is, he who descended is himself also who ascended. In other words, Yeshua, who came to live here, who ministered here, who lived in this world, is the very same person who ascended to the right hand of the Father. It is still him. Uh, And that is something that maybe we need to meditate on, that he is still a person, glorified humanity, as we see in his resurrection. When you read carefully about the uh, resurrection life of Messiah, uh, you can read like in John chapter 20. I won't take the time to read it, but it said he appeared to his disciples. It says the doors were closed, the room was locked, but he appeared to his disciples. Uh, In other places, it says he manifested himself before them. And so after he rose from the dead, uh, he had his new resurrection body. It was the same, yet it was different. And so when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he has a glorified human body. It's hard for us to comprehend that. And we do not understand all of the aspects of that right now, but he is truly Yeshua of Nazareth, uh, who is glorified and seated at the right hand uh, of the Father. And we uh, relate to him uh, in the heavens and on earth.
Uh, and so that's the first thing it says, that the one who descended is the one who ascended. Secondly, uh, the passage says that he ascended far uh, above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. So Yeshua lives as a person, as a glorified humanity, but the best we can say is like in a different dimension in that he can be wherever we are. And not just we as Messiah followers, but he can be anywhere at any time, yet at the very same time seated at the right hand of the Father. The heavens and the earth run concurrent uh, right now. Uh, and the day will come when it is amalgamated. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, however, Yeshua referred to this concept as the mystery of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. The mysteries of the kingdom. That uh, the kingdom of God coincides with the world as we as we know it. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot uh, you know, that goes along with that. But for us, we want to uh, remember that. That Yeshua is personally present with us in the heavenly places. We are personally present with him in the heavenly places. He is present in this world and he oversees this world. He is present uh, in heavenly places. He is present uh, here. The world is blind to it. He is the king of this world, whether people understand it uh, or not. But he is always with us. So as Messiah followers, because of the Ruach, we have a unique intimacy with the king. Uh, he is the head of the body of Messiah. He oversees it. Uh, and he he blesses it. He disciplines us, uh, works in our lives in varieties of ways, individually and, and communally. But he is also the king of this uh, world. Uh, and the day again will come when uh, the heavens and the earth uh, will uh, be amalgamated. And so, you know, we are living, we live in a new way uh, as Messiah followers. We still have our flesh. We still struggle uh, with the negative alienating traits that make us less than fully human, what we could say. But God is mentoring us, discipling us, and changing us uh, so that we might be unblemished. If you read this week's uh, Darash, the Darash on the Torah portion, I talked about that, uh, how, uh, you know, we uh, are in Messiah's priesthood uh, and how, interestingly enough, how Yeshua would not have qualified for Aaron's priesthood. Uh, but his priesthood is unique and we are identified in his priesthood, which means that we have this new and living way of entering into his presence. It's kind of another way of saying uh, being seated with him in heavenly places. We have entree into heavenly places even while we still live here. And I hope and I trust and I pray for all of us that we really can cultivate that understanding of our lives which will help us stay above the fray in this life. And that's kind of what Paul meant in so many places when he says, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Consider uh, yourself having died and being raised with Messiah. Uh, think about things above, not things below. All of that means recognize yourself 
as seated with him in heavenly places, part of his priesthood in the house of Messiah. Uh, and therefore, in this life, uh, we live here, but we also, we might say, live in another dimension that God has given us. And Yeshua is indeed the bridge. And that is where our victory lies. But you know something that when you go back to especially the Psalms in particular, there was a real sense of being in the presence of God in the way the Psalmists write. They really did see themselves living in the presence uh, of God uh, in a variety uh, of passages. Uh, For example, in Psalm 16, we read, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. There was a real sense of God being present uh, with the psalmist, with David. You also read, if you go back to the book of Exodus, remember what uh, Moses says to God uh, after the golden calf incident? You know, who's going to go with us? Are you going to go with us? And God ultimately says, my presence will go with you. There was a real sense of the presence of God in their midst, that he wasn't way, way far away somewhere. See? So there was a, a sense of his presence And you see it here in Psalm 16. This sense of God's real presence meant David could dwell securely, meant David could be joyful. It meant that he would be secure. He would not be uh, uh, shaken. He would be, there would be uh, just all of these uh, attributes. In Psalm 73, we read in verse 25, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then a couple of verses after that, in Psalm 73 and verse 28, we understand why that was. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. God is my refuge. He's my security. Uh, My heart may fail, but God is my strength. You know? God is my strength because I'm secure in the Lord because I know that he's with me. And interestingly enough, it says in Psalm 73, and so therefore I will tell of all your works. And wouldn't that be great if, you know, that we would have that attitude. I'm secure in the Lord, and so therefore I want to tell people uh, about that. And what a um, a great uh, alternative message that is in our world. There are certain messages uh, going on in our world that good people have, uh, messages of freedom, messages of concern, uh, but our message is, our refuge is in God. Our refuge is not in our freedoms. Our refuge is not in staying home. Our refuge uh, is in the Lord. And so whatever we do in the way we function in our life right now, I hope that our primary refuge, our primary sense of stability, our primary sense of comfort, our primary sense of security is that we are dwelling in the Lord. 
And isn't it something that if, if the psalmist could say that before the Messiah came, we better be able to say that now, that we're connected via the Ruach HaKodesh. After the resurrection and the ascension of the Messiah, in the pouring out of the Ruach, this is a whole new dimension of intimacy that mankind could have with God that, that the prophets and the psalmists could only hope for. You see, but here they spoke of this great intimacy with God, even without the indwelling Holy Spirit. But we do. How much more then should we be able to stand firm? You know, God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of discipline. And may we find uh, our solace in that great uh, truth. You know, in Psalm uh, 121, Psalm uh, 121, we read these words. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He will keep you. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your coming out and your going in from this time forth and forever. He is always in our presence. As we are with him, he is with us. Uh, and that is a very powerful truth. It is not simply uh, something written on a doctrinal statement, but it is a great truth that we live by. You know, Moses himself in Psalm 90 in verse 1 wrote these words, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Isn't that interesting? Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Wherever God is, that's where we dwell. And so uh, this uh, really uh, does a great, uh, makes a great problem for aspects of our systematic theology, I think. Here we see Mo Moses saying, you have been our dwelling place. God is my refuge. Yes, but with now the coming of Yeshua, it is like amplified, you know, uh, that what they were hoping for and looking for, we get to experience. And I hope that this is a, a true, uh, something true in your life. Oscar and Shalitha sang Psalm 34 uh, earlier, and I hope that we were singing. Those are great words. The words of that song uh, are so true when it comes to being ever present with the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Uh, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. You know, a little farther down, uh, it says here, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, takes refuge in him. That's how we can bless the Lord at all times. We can give thanks, praise his name at all times when we know that he is in our midst uh, all 
of uh, the time. But now having read all of those passages and talking about the, the truth about Yeshua being ever in our presence, isn't it true that sometimes it feels or we act like we're all alone? That he really isn't even there. That he is indeed in some far off place and and the Holy Spirit is kind of a feeling that maybe we get now and then. But you see, this is something we've got to work on. Uh, we're missing out on some tremendous blessings of God uh, by not understanding that via the Ruach, via the Holy Spirit, Yeshua, the one who lived in Nazareth, the one who died for our sins, the one who was raised from the dead, the one who ascended to the right hand of the Father, has invited us to dwell with him and he with us right now in our lives. You know, it reminds me a little bit about uh, uh, Jacob when he says in Genesis 28 and verse 16, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. The Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He's reflecting back. I hope that for us, we know that he's where you are, wherever you are, wherever you are physically, wherever you are emotionally, wherever you are in any case spiritually. I hope you know, this is, and this is what is true, God is with you. It is not true that it might be true for some people, but not for me. That is not true. He is indeed with you. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, uh, now what we want to uh, think about uh, is how can we be attentive to this truth? How can we remember this truth? How can we make this real? How can we cultivate an awareness of the presence of Yeshua in our life all of the time? Uh, now, so it's interesting, if you go back to Psalm 16, uh, you know, he said, I have set the Lord continually before me. So when he says there in Psalm 16 and verse 8, I have set the Lord continually before me. In other words, I'm thinking about it all the time, uh, that he is in, in my presence. So it is important that we train our minds to think that way. But how do we do that? How can we really train our minds to think that way. Well, I think it's important for us to understand that uh, our mind is part of our body, okay? And that our faith in the Lord is not just in our mind. It's not just in our thinking. It's not true because I believe it or because I say it. It is really uh, uh, true. And so I think it's important for us to engage, uh, perhaps, uh, in some uh, disciplines, spiritual disciplines, some physical activity where we can relate to God in a physical way because we are physical people, because we are human people, we can relate to the glorified humanity of Yeshua as we engage, physically engage in a variety of practices. Uh, you may be uh, familiar with them, like praying. <laughs> praying is something we do. When we pray, when we talk to God, there is something happening. It might feel like, you know, I feel like I'm talking to a wall. 
You ever feel that way? You may feel that way. But the truth is, God is with you. You are talking to Yeshua, and he hears your prayer. Cultivate that. How do we cultivate a life of prayer? I would suggest that we don't say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to pray for an hour every single day. That is probably a recipe for uh, failure. Just little prayers, little prayers. Now, you might want to set aside time. That's a good thing to do. Set aside time to talk to God or also uh, just a continuous conversation uh, where you're talking uh, to God and listening uh, to God, being quiet, reading the scriptures. The reading the Bible, whether it's in a book form, a technological form, it doesn't matter. If you are engaging, you're using your eyes. That's physical. You're engaging in a physical practice, and there is something transformative about physically practicing the presence of God. Physically practicing the presence of God. When we pray, when we read the Bible, when we have fellowship together, and you can do that electronically, you can look at someone's face and you can talk to them on Zoom. You can call them, you can text them, whatever it is. You can have fellowship with one another. And when we do that, we're pouring into each other's life. We're building each other up. There is something uh, invisible, heavenly, may I suggest, taking place between us when Messiah followers engage each other. Uh, and it builds us up. We are engaging in a physical way in a, it, with the heavens. Uh, there are others as well, worshiping, singing, engaging that way. Serving others is definitely a way of engaging God. And didn't Yeshua say that in Matthew chapter 25? You know, uh, when he talks about the sheep and the goats, right? Uh, he says, uh, you know, you can come in. Why? Because you fed you fed people, you housed people, you took care of people. When did we do that? When you did it for me, he says. When you did it for me. Okay? Or you did it for me. How did you do that? By helping other people. Uh, the point is, is that uh, we're, when we engage in these physical, spiritual practices, we are indeed engaging God. Uh, you know, uh, there's a uh, book called The uh, Spirit of the uh, Disciplines by a man named Dallas Willard. Uh, and it's a book I really like. There are books on spiritual disciplines, but The Spirit of the Disciplines actually explains the physical mechanics of how it works, that when we engage in physical, spiritual practices, we are engaging God, we're engaging the heavenlies. Isn't it interesting to use the phrase physical, spiritual practices? Yes, physical, spiritual practices. So he has, there are disciplines of abstinence and disciplines of engagement. Things we do with, with, our, with our bodies and things that we, that we refrain from. And sometimes in refraining from things, we're drawing closer to God. So disciplines of abstinence would include solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, and sacrifice. So in other words, 
a, a, a spiritual, physical discipline of being alone, of being silent and listening to God, of fasting, being frugal in our spending, like, like refraining from spending, chastity, and sacrificial acts. Uh, draw us closer to God because there are physical, spiritual practices. And so perhaps even if you are isolated at this time, if you're living alone and you're at home, I hope that you will turn that on its head and make at least part of that time a physical, spiritual practice, which draws you closer to God. And then disciplines of engagement. We've mentioned some of them, study, worship, celebration, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, submission. All of these are physical, spiritual ways of drawing closer to God. And then because no two people are exactly alike, that you may have your own personal kind of physical, spiritual practice that draws you closer to God. Like journaling might be one. Uh, I like to run. Uh, and I use part of that time, you know, really to focus on, on prayer and thinking about my life spiritually and trying to listen to God and, and all of that. Going for a good walk might be uh, another one. Uh, perhaps even listening to edifying music might be another one. All of these are physical ways of engaging God and engaging Yeshua. And by engaging them on a regular basis, we will cultivate the reality that he is always with me. Always with me in the regular affairs of everyday life, 24-7, wherever uh, we may be. And so, you know, this means uh, some different things to us. One is uh, we know we're covered, that he leads me wherever I'll go, that he's always my refuge, uh, that he's with me in my job. Uh, not only with me, but may I suggest, I keep saying with me, uh, perhaps we need to also say uh, I'm with him in my job, that he's leading me in my life here. I need to change my terminology, that he's leading me here. And when I know that he's leading me, boy, that means that he takes the responsibility for uh, uh, that. He takes the responsibility for my life. And that means that, you know, he shares the yoke. He bears the burden with us. And so if we have anxiety about our job, we have anxiety about other issues, remember that he's leading me. If he's leading me in my life, he takes the responsibility, and I'm kind of standing, we might say, like behind him. And yes, I have responsibilities in this life, but know that he goes before us in all of it. And that's true. It's not an idea. It's true. But the goal for us is to remember it and to live it out. But then there's a flip side to that, and that is knowing that he's leading me and knowing that he's with me is also a deterrent, I trust, to know that he's with me wherever I go. If I go to, a, to the dark side, he's with me. We, but you know what that means? That means we're dragging his name. We're dragging him through the dirt. We are profaning his name 
when we engage in sinful practices. We are defiling, can imagine saying that? We're defiling his name because he's with us wherever we go. And so it also serves as a deterrent. It is wrong to think that we are by ourselves and that God doesn't know what's going on in our uh, what's going on in our lives. He is ever present. He leads us wherever uh, we are. And, uh, you know, there's one last thing uh, uh, I wanted to uh, say about this. I've been reading a, a book uh, by uh, Jonathan Sachs called Future Tense. It's about living and being Jewish in the 21st century. Uh, and he talks a little bit about uh, the presence of God uh, in, in life, uh, in our lives, in all of our lives. Uh, and he talks about specifically when Moses uh, was uh, with the Lord uh, and, uh, and he says to God, who shall I say sent me? And uh, we know that the traditional English, English translation is, I am that I am. Uh, but he points out, as we point out, the Hebrew is asher uh, which means I will be which I will be. And so uh, Rabbi Sachs, he says, what, what does that mean? What, 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 what did he say? And I thought that his explanation of that was really very helpful to us in our lives right now. Because the reality is, is that knowing that God leads us and knowing that he's with us should really help us when we're not sure what tomorrow will bring. And in our current situation, we don't know exactly what's the new normal. How are we going to live? How are we going to do services? How, are, how am I going to do my job? Uh, when am I going to be able to see my grandchildren? Um, what, you know, how, do, how are we going to negotiate all of this? Uh, and knowing that God is ever present in our lives knowing that we are connected to him, knowing that he never leaves us or forsakes us. Friends, he will guide us through it. But here's what Rabbi Sachs has to say, and I think this will be very encouraging to us. What then is the meaning of I will be what I will be? Now remember, again, that as Messiah followers, we have this intimacy via the Ruach that is a gift from God. Uh, you know, that uh, that we have because of the risen Yeshua and our identification with him. So we always want to remember that. But this is what he says. What then is the meaning of I will be, which I will be, or that I will be? The name itself never recurs in the Hebrew Bible. A yeah, a share, a yeah. Never doesn't occur again. But there is a later echo in the scene uh, in which uh, God appears to Moses on the mountain after the sin of the golden calf, in which he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. What this means is that God cannot be predicted or controlled. I will do what I'm going to do is basically what, what he's saying. So you can tell them, I'll do what I'll do. Okay. What this means is that God cannot be predicted or controlled. He cannot be confined to categories or known in advance. He is telling Moses, you cannot 
know how I will appear until I appear, how I will act until I act. My mercy, my compassion, my strategic interventions into history cannot be controlled or foretold. I will be what, when, and how I choose to be. I am the God of the radically unknowable future, the God of surprises. You will know me when you see me, but not before. To be sure, in one sense, the future is connected to the past. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. So we know that he's consistent, but we don't know exactly what he's going to do. That's his point. To be sure, in one sense, the future is connected to the past. God keeps his promises. This is an essential element of Jewish faith, an essential element of Messianic Jewish faith. But this very fact reveals the difference between predictability on the one hand and faithfulness on the other. Objects fall, gas expands, particles combine. These things are predictable. But people freely honor obligations they have undertaken because they are faithful. That is the difference God never fails to teach Moses and the prophets. That God is faithful. God uh, is one who, though, is unpredictable, uh, and we cannot control him. But as long as we stay close to him, and he's our refuge, and we seek him, because the Bible also says, you know, we don't just sit still, but in those physical, spiritual disciplines, in a way, what we're really doing is we're seeking God. And he says, if you seek me, you will find me. And so as we continually seek and we continually find him, and may this be our way of life in the little things and in the big things. And may we walk with God, not only in the big things that happen in life, but the little things, because in the little things that happen in life, we cultivate the ability to walk in the big things, you know, and, uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I find this to be very encouraging. And so it's because Yeshua died for our sins and rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father in victory where he is now, that, that we live with him now in that life, in that resurrection, in that ascension life. Uh, and may that give us the uh, confidence to keep uh, moving forward and to know that, boy, God is faithful. He may be unpredictable in a way, but he certainly is faithful. And so let's keep our eyes open and to be surprised in our lives as we see God at work every day, all the time, in varieties of ways. Remember, he goes before us. He goes with us. And you know what's interesting? He's ahead of us. He's behind us. He's on the sides of us. He's got our back. He's got our front. Uh, and so we are indeed so well protected in Messiah Yeshua. And so with those thoughts, let's pray. Lord uh, God, thank you, Lord, that no matter what happens, you are faithful. We know your nature. See, we know your nature. And so because we know your nature, we know that you never fail. We know that you um, uh, who uh, 
are always with Israel. You neither slumber nor sleep. You're always guarding. You're always watching. You're always protecting. You're always leading. May we, may we be the people that have our eyes open and know it and indeed live that way. And may it cause us, therefore, uh, to run away from temptation, to uh, not be so anxious and worried. But as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, may we realize that you indeed provide for us. Indeed, Yeshua also said, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough issues of its own, meaning that tomorrow can be unpredictable, but God will indeed show up because he always does. Uh, we thank you for that great truth, uh, Lord, and may we live in your presence. May we be seated with you in heavenly places and know it and live it. We thank you in Messiah's name. Amen.